0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit nettlemeadowcheeseandspirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, meadowcheeseandspirits.com.
0: I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Welcome to Feast Years. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Today, June 15th, episode 35 of Feast Your Ears, and I am pleased to have in the studio with me, Lazarus Lynch, the son of a Southern chef. Uh, Laz grew up in Jamaica, Queens, and spent a lot of time as a child in his dad's restaurant, which was called Baby Sisters Soul Food in Laurelton. Um, and Laz, in recent years, has made a name for himself uh, on YouTube, the Food Network, and on the Cooking Channel. And his brand, Son of a Southern Chef, is one that I think everybody should be paying attention to. So thanks, Lazarus. Thank you so much, Harry. Thanks for having me. Um, can you start out by um, just giving a brief introduction to who you are? So, you know, if, if we were sitting next to each other in an airport bar, and
3: I turned to you. <laughs> <and> I said, <laughs> "Hey, man, what's up?" Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tell me about yourself. Uh, first off, great location uh, to start with. Um, yeah, I'm Lazarus Lynch. I'm the son of a southern chef. I grew up here in New York City, uh, from Queens, New York, and grew up with uh, two other brothers and two sisters. Five of us, big family. Mom and dad. My mom is from Guyana, which is uh, in South America, north of Brazil. And my father was from Alabama. And so my mom moved to London when she was about 13 and lived there for most of her 20s and then moved to New York and met my father and had all of us. And so we grew up here, but we have a lot of family who still lives in the UK and who lives in Alabama. So uh, growing up, I went to school in Farris Hills, Queens and um, did elementary school there. I was very involved in the performing arts growing up and uh, loved loved telling stories through art. So for me, it was always if I could pick up a pencil and, and draw something, or if I can paint, I think my teachers really saw the potential there. And I started paying attention to my artistic abilities. And somewhere along the lines, my dad decided to open up a restaurant. It was this new feat that he was going to do. And growing up, we always knew my dad as a restaurant Lover. Um, he loved to go take us to restaurants and he loved to cook at home. Uh, so, so was, is, he, was he a trained chef? He wasn't a trained chef, actually. Uh, he just had a fascination for food and for ingredients. And uh, his grandmother was an excellent cook, I hear. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet her or my grandmother, um, but they were both phenomenal cooks. And my dad, when he was a kid, he would watch them cook. And he and his siblings, they would sort of sell lemonade outside on the street in Alabama and bake cookies and do bake sales. And their mom really encouraged them to do that. So uh, once my dad decided that he was going to go into the restaurant business, um, my mother supported him as she always did. And even that he wanted to do, she was just had his back. So um, that's where food um, became more of a part of my life where I thought about it as a profession and not just, you know, this thing that we do to survive. Right. Like, um, it became more interesting to me. So that's who I am in a nutshell. And I'm sure we'll have more time to (laughs) chat about other stuff. So,
2: uh, at, at baby sister soul food, I I assume Southern cooking was the
3: Sort of letter of the day? It was. Southern cooking, absolutely. So Baby Sister Soul Food, my dad named it that because uh, his mother was the baby sister and um, loved—she just was a great cook. And apparently my grandmother was always making comparisons— um, of her food to the other people at her church uh-huh. who were also great cooks. And my dad says that she always, you know, doubted herself and her food and how great it was. Uh, so this is his way of sort of commemorating this restaurant to his mother who had right. taught him so much about food. Um, did so she, did she
2: get to visit it?
3: Well, she, still she passed, um, actually. So yeah, my grandmother, his mom passed way before I was even born, oh, um, unfortunately, but All of the recipes that were incorporated in the restaurant, from his mac and cheese to the candy yams to the collard greens, were his grandmother's and his mother's recipes with his spin on it. Mm. Um, so for example, my dad did like this four cheese, mac and cheese. His mother only did three cheeses. Um, and so he was a little bit more exotic, a little bit more risk-taking. Um, but it was mainly, mainly soul food and fish and chips. And so it, it sort of echoed on my mother's uh, background with the fish and chips for mm. being from London. Oh, sure. Uh, so it was a very cool and interesting um, menu and it really never changed. Um, it pretty much stayed the same and people loved it because it was simple food and it made sense. And I think, you know, that's why I love mom and pop restaurants so much, because it's, it's really the food of people that has a story to it. You know, this food has been passed down from generation to generation. And so there's a story element to all of the food that's cooked. And I think that's what people connected with.
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think we, we call that stuff comfort food, sure. and I don't think it's just the food part of it that's comforting, right? There's Absolutely. the mom and pop, there's the family aspect that adds into that feeling of comfort. Exactly.
3: I you know, I, I love that phrase, comfort food, and I now think about comfort food as anything that brings you to a place of home, you know, whatever that is to you. Uh, so, in Chinese cuisine, for example, I've lived in China for three months, way back, you know, when I was a teenager, and um, they have their own kind of comfort food whether that's like stinky tofu or if that's <laughs> sure. uh you know some kung pao chicken or fried rice i mean they have their own version of what makes food home for them yep. and um and i think that in every culture you can find comfort food and that's one of the things i love about food in general
2: absolutely i mean one of the things i i think a lot about my childhood and and growing up you know my my family didn't come from a specific place. I mean, there was Eastern European mixed in there, and there was some sort of American Jewish heritage mixed in there. Sure. But my mom loved to cook and had a bunch of cookbooks, but there are a bunch of different recipes that I think of as comfort food because they were part of our sort of family recipe canon when i was a kid and you know i know i've talked about it on on here before but there are certain recipes there's a pork chop recipe there's a meatloaf recipe you know there's a asabuco recipe Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily really all like match up in terms of a style of like southern cooking or northern cooking or western cooking or german cooking or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know for me those are the comfort foods right because they do relate to that home um so, did you work in the restaurant when you were younger? Uh,
3: I technically I worked <laughs> in the restaurant. <laughs> you could say that, Harry. Uh, I was more like forced uh, into the sure. <laughs> into being a, a staff, uh, yeah. part of the employer. But you know, I loved it, and I think that's when I did, I loved food. I knew I loved it because even though my other brothers and sisters, we would go there on the Saturday and help dad and. Uh, I mean everything from bagging things to stocking the shelves to unloading from vendors or cleaning a toilet. You know, let's be sure. honest. No,
2: I mean all man, the, business ownership is all of that. It's right?
3: all of that, right? It's not just like the the beautiful parts that we see. Um, so. I loved it, though. I loved the rush of the kitchen. I loved um, calling orders. And everything was already made. I mean, there was very few things that we had to cook to order. Um, So everything was already prepared and prepped. And uh, I remember, I'm kind of jumping forward here, but I remember when I was in high school, I went to culinary school in high school, and I had learned all these techniques um, for chopping vegetables quicker or for grating that cabbage with a food processor instead of using a box grater. (laughs) Um, So these were all like new things that my dad quite frankly, didn't have any exposure to. And so I began to take leadership in the restaurant in that way behind the scenes. And um, and I, I just knew I loved it. I knew that I could see myself having a meaningful career as a chef.
2: So you went to Food and Finance High School in New York, and and before the show started, we were speaking a little bit about how unique uh, New York City seems to still be, that there are high schools for sort of very specific career paths. So it sounds like you knew when you were looking at high schools and applying to high schools that that was sort of the path you were interested in, and that sort of took you. On your way, right?
3: Right. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, in terms of food and finance, I'll t- I'll talk about that first, and then I'll talk about the path thing because I think that's that's interesting uh food and finance great high school it's known as a cte school which is career and technical education and so there are many in the in the city uh, some focus on aviation some focus focus on cosmetology so this high school was uniquely based in culinary based on culinary arts and what's cool about it is that you spend every day in the kitchen Um, Usually Fridays you don't, but mostly every day you're in the kitchen. You're either doing pastry for a semester, pastry and baking, or you're doing culinary. And, I mean, we went through a first semester our freshman year working on knife skills. I mean, knife skills, safety, and sanitation was like the very first lessons. Um, But then the other side of that was that we grew uh, hydroponics on the rooftop and in classrooms in our science classrooms. So all of this curriculum was sort of cross integrated and we learned about food in every class that we took. So it was very cool. We also had to take, you know, SATs and all the other jazz, the Regents exams, sure. like everyone else.
2: Food is a great, is, is a great entry point though. I mean, there's math, there's geometry.
3: Exactly. There's science, it's all encompassing. There's, you know, I mean, it's all, it all is contained there. Exactly. It's art. It's everything. Physics. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, before applying, though, to to high school, I thought I wanted to be a performer. I thought I either wanted to be um, a musician, because I play music, I'm an artist, I, I, I'm a drummer, I play a little bit of piano. Um, my dad was a musician, he played the saxophone. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I wanted to paint, because I'm a painter, I'm an artist. So I I kind of went through this um, questioning period where I wasn't quite sure. And um, And I think that's a really good thing to do. And I've found that some of the best things that I've ever done in my life were those moments where I just surrendered to whatever I wanted to do at the moment and it's always paid off. So it's interesting with the path because I never thought I wanted to be a chef. My dad didn't think he wanted to be a chef. Um, He just sort of happened upon um, you could say it that way, but he just happened upon that thing that he loved to do, which was make people feel good, you know, and he could do that through food. And his previous business, he did that through laying carpet in people's homes. And I remember carrying toolboxes with him as like six years old and like ha- handling tacks, which have all these nails coming out of it. you know? So, you know, from a very early age, I watched my father take those kinds of risks and just do what he wanted to do. So, uh, when I decided to go to culinary arts high school, it was it was a decision that was a very quick one. It surprised my mom. Everyone thought I was going to go to art school or uh, be a musician or even an actor. And I had auditioned to different performing arts high schools as well. So um, I just decided one day that food was the thing I wanted to do. And what's great about it is that it doesn't limit me from doing any of those other things, right? Like right. I could still paint at home, I could still um, do all these other things that I love to do, um, but food is right now the thing that I'm focused on building and it's made me very happy. I'm extremely excited about you know my success in this business, and love that I can get to meet new people every day. And food is that one thing that connects us. You may not understand you know a painting, but you could relate to some good food. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, a show a couple of weeks ago.
2: Um, a construction friend of mine who's a contractor mm-hmm. talked about how food is the thing that brings his crew together. He's got guys from Guatemala and guys from China who don't speak the same language, but they all eat lunch together. Absolutely. And that's really the thing that like brings these guys together who don't even speak the same language who both know how to hang sheetrock
3: you know wow interesting you know it's that reminds me of uh, a time when i was in china uh, about 2011 and we i didn't speak a lot of mandarin i was just learning on the fly um and i remember one day i said i want to share with you guys you know some american food and (laughs) i remember walking to the grocery store i was trying to look for some barbecue sauce you know like some traditional (laughs) crafts barbecue sauce and you know i knew how to make my own sauce but i was just like let me just see if they have it and there was no barbecue sauce to be found on the shelf so i literally had to from scratch make the barbecue sauce um i made some collard greens for them um i think i did like ribs and i made some cornbread i mean this is like You know, in China, in Beijing, eating all this American food. And then they cooked their traditional food, and they lived in different parts of China growing up. So now they were in mainland China, and so they introduced me to their cultures. And it was such a, a, a delightful moment. You know, we just came back into my dorm room. I was staying at a college at the time, and we just ate the food there and it was pretty quiet but <laughs> but they loved it i loved it we knew we were doing something meaningful you yeah. know we were it's a sharing. Real connection it was a genuine
2: connection yeah. absolutely so you mentioned china i know you've also traveled in rwanda right
3: yes that's um true. where else have you traveled have you done a lot of traveling well we we go back and forth sometimes to london where my family is so um, throughout europe um and the islands i've been to dominica st Kitts, st thomas uh, St. Lucia uh, Puerto Rico um,
2: Do you have a favorite uh, sort of either dish or uh, Ingredient that you've picked up in your travels either in China or Africa or you the know islands? Uh,
3: I don't consider myself to have a favorite anything sure. I mean, it's it's really hard for me I think I love so many things so but I would say coconut is that one ingredient that I find all the time no matter where I go, um, it comes up in some dish somewhere. It's snucked in that rice or it's, you know, it's made in that consomme or something interesting. So uh, coconut, I think, is that ingredient. And I love coconut. But it's interesting because growing up, we didn't cook with a lot of coconut. My mom did because she's from Guyana. But yeah. my dad didn't cook with a lot of coconut at all, actually. So um, I think that would be the one ingredient you know, that I picked up. Whenever I think of the islands,
2: I think of hot sauce. I oh, think yeah. I think I think of, I think of the, the the scotch bonnet peppers down there. My definitely. father was born in Saint Thomas, so I've spent a bunch of time oh, in Saint Thomas, Saint Croix, Saint John, um, U.S. Virgin Islands, and definitely like when I hear that, I think. Oh man, the hot sauce there is so good.
3: Yeah. I mean, I put, I put like a habanero or a scotch bonnet in my tomato sauce. I just, I love it. I I do. I just, I keep it on hand. I've got some right now at home where they're just always sitting in the fridge. My mom has a really close childhood friend, um, who lives in Brooklyn who jars her some hot sauce every year and it stays, it survives in our house somehow. Um, we've moved out. A lot of us have moved out at this point, but, um, when my brother was living at home, that was, he drank it. I mean, I, I swear he, he would drink the thing, but, um, we always have hot sauce or some, some yeah. kind of hot pepper in the house. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a short
2: break and hear from uh, some of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio. And when we come back, uh, we're going to keep talking about where you're headed as Son of a Southern Chef.
3: Great. Look forward.
1: Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored Barn Loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadow's trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Anne Saxelby, said, Koenig, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the cheese and spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit nettlemeadowcheeseandspirits.com. That's Nettle Meadow Cheese and dot com. That's N E T T L E Meadow Cheese and dot com.
2: Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and today I'm speaking in the studio with Lazarus Lynch, the son of a Southern chef. Um, I highly recommend that you check out uh, Lazarus' videos, uh, his YouTube channel, and take a look at sonofasouthernchef.com. So, Lazarus, you are... The son of a southern chef, yes. uh, and that is your sort of—that's your brand, right? Right. Um, and you've done a bunch of work. Um, if you, you know, on your, I was watching some of your YouTube videos. There's a mac and cheese one there that I assume is your father's oh, recipe or or homage to it. An homage. Um, looks looks really good. Gouda in there. It's oh yeah, good, good choice, I think. Um, and you know, you've done obviously you've, you've been working with other folks. You've done some videos for TasteMade. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your own your own branded. Stuff uh, on there. You've done some work with Hidden Valley, working mm-hmm. with some of their products. Um, I'm wondering, sort of, where where you're going from here. Um, yeah. Do you see online video as sort of your um, you know your your media of choice? Are you sort of looking towards potentially doing something on television, other media, books? Um, yeah, I don't know where you're where you're going.
3: Yeah, it's uh, a huge and great question <laughs> at the same time. And what what I love is. I get to do digital work, um, which is, I find, to be a lot more flexible in terms of what you're able to share, and it's also such a community. You know, you're able to connect with people instantly. Um, You get a comment, a like, a dislike, (laughs) and everything in between. Um, So I love that aspect of community and connection. Um, With television, though, it's, it's not always, you don't get that instant connection. Um, With a viewer or an audience, unless it's live, and even then, it's it's still a little bit more controlled. But starting out, you know, I started out working at the Food Network when I was 16 years old. I interned. It was the place I interned when I was in high school. Uh, It was a required internship. You know, we had to intern somewhere. So I chose Food Network, and that's when I fell in love with food and media being together and something that you know I could do. And I just thought, you know, I could do that. That's that looks. That's exactly what I feel like I could do with my life. And so over the years. Organic opportunities have happened. I learned about TasteMade, I would say in August, and then in October they sent me an email saying, "Hey, we discovered you, and we'd love to work with you." And it was one of those moments where I was like, "Aha! You know, this is this is the moment for me. I should do this." And so I love you know working with them. Obviously, the other work I've done with partnerships um, have been great in terms of exposing my brand. Uh, ingredients and products I'm very familiar with, things that I grew up with in my household. Um, so I love those opportunities, and I think YouTube is a great platform for sharing your own content, being your own creator, being your own producer, director, all that kind of stuff. Never imagined that I'd be writing my own scripts and editing my own videos. I mean, it's, it's like, it's this it's just this whole other world of production that I never thought I'd be involved with Um, with TV you don't get that kind of liberty Um, but I love it and I you know really what I want to do is is have my own TV shows and also have my own digital online shows um, that people can watch everywhere whether you have cable or not um, I want people to have access to you know good food and recipes and particularly the millennial audience because I represent that audience I'm 22 years old and um, I connect very well with I mean I have friends who watch me in Trinidad and people who watch me abroad in Thailand I mean it's it's incredible you know it's just incredible the responses sometimes I'll be here in New York City on the subway and someone will come up to me um, little kids Kids, you know, would come up to me and say, "You're that guy, you know, that cook, chef." Um, so it's 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 great. It makes me feel good and you know, that's where kids are. We're on our phones. We're on our our devices. So, um, I'd love to keep doing that. And I'm working on my book right now. Um, we're working on a publisher. If any publishers are looking, (laughs) looking to publish me, uh, you know, contact me. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm working on as, you know, for the brand and, and really for a foundation piece. Um, something that I would, you know, can start out with people ask me all the time for, uh, a book, so I'm working sure. on that for the audience. They really want that, uh, and you know, I'm I'm just gonna take it where it goes. It's led me to great places already, and honestly, I didn't plan a thing. You know, all I planned to do was share my dad's recipes, and somebody thought it was a good idea and said, "Hey, let's let's work together." So, I love that, but um, I understand the importance of having a vision and that whole idea of a five year plan. Everybody else that I work with, you know, they're always asking me about that five year plan, and I'm just like, "Hey, guys, can we just take it a day at a time?" You know. <laughs> I just love to cook. so. Uh, but sharing that with a bigger platform is absolutely um, something that's important for me and something that's important for the brand,
2: obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have to imagine. So how many years was your dad's restaurant? Ten years. Business? So I was in business for ten years. You know, figure, you know, a couple hundred, served a couple hundred people a day sure. over that time. You know, one of your videos probably reaches as many people. Absolutely. In a week. In a week. Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to think that you can put out a video and 50,000 people Oh, watched I watched it, and you know you you are able to to get that word out there Absolutely. to all those people. It's really it's it's a it's a great time I think for it too. I mean it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting time with the way that food has become popular as a media sure uh, as as a media outlet, um, and that people are interested in doing it. I'm I'm curious to know how what your peers sort of think. I mean, when you went to college, did you go to college to did study to college. food as well?
3: No, I went to college. I so I went to Buffalo State College um, in Buffalo, New York. And I applied to be a nutrition major. I thought I was going to go to college and become a dietitian and registered dietitian. And somewhere along the course of two years, I realized that, you know, chemistry just wasn't for me and it didn't make me happy. And after trying really hard and tutors and all that other stuff, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue a different path. So I went into individualized studies, which was um, an opportunity to create my own degree in whatever I wanted to do it in. So I chose communications and business and decided to do a social media entrepreneurship um, model of a business, which is exactly what I do. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a great payoff, but I had no intentions on going to college for culinary my thought was, I'm going to become a registered dietitian, and then, you know, I discovered that deep down, I really love that comfort food, and I really love making that kind of food that represents my family, the Caribbean, the soul food. Um, so I, I stuck with that. I stuck with those roots.
2: When you got to college, did you find and were, were any of your peers as
3: versed in cooking as you were? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, everything from you know boiling boiling an egg, overcooking it. Um, I had roommates all through college, and uh, my junior and senior year, I started putting out these videos. I asked some of my friends, I'm like, hey, can you shoot a couple of videos for me? They belong to the film and uh, media department. And so they were just like, hey, sure. And I, I promised them, you know, you guys would get free food out of this. You know, it's going <laughs> to be great. Free food's a big deal. I remember being in <laughs> Yeah, college. so I remember asking my um, former boss. She was a uh, she. I worked for a cheese shop in Buffalo. And I remember asking her, we were closed on Sundays. And I said, do you mind if I shot some videos in here on Sunday? You know, just going to be me and two other friends. and um it, it became a it became a thing. She agreed to it, and then you know every week I was in there shooting, and then friends started hearing about it, and then they would come knocking on the door in the middle of us shooting, and <laughs> like we had lines you know in the in the cheese shop. Uh, so it was it was cool, and then by senior year, um, I decided to capstone all of this in a YouTube series called My College Kitchen. And um, it really was my gift to the college because my peers were all asking me to cook and I was, you know, teach them how to cook and I was like, there's no way I could possibly spread myself to, you know, 10 people a week. So I'll put it up on YouTube and one of our more more popular ones was, you know, 10 ways to, to make ramen. So I just broke down ramen and showed you 10 different ways to make it from a salad to, you know, a noodle dish to a pad thai, you know, to a snack. Um, and it was really popular and really effective. And I think that that's one of the things that I loved about being in college was having all this knowledge, but learning how I could share that and um, take not take it for granted, you know, that I knew how to make an omelet or I knew how to scramble eggs, which you know, there's a technique to that, you know, sure. it's not just throw it in the pan. So, um, I love that. And I love that they were open to that, but I definitely had so many requests to like, Hey, come over and teach me this. <laughs> and I threw some dinner parties every now and then with friends. And if I was working on a recipe for Taste Made, I needed to test it out. Or if I was doing a shoot, um, and I needed to test out recipes, I would just buy the ingredients and bring folks over. And my roommates were, um, they just loved eating everything. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. They <laughs> wake up the next morning and just like, wait, I thought, <laughs> you know, I thought I had that on the table and okay. it would, be gone but it was great you know and I just graduated um, a month ago and it's crazy to believe that it's it's all over you know in four years it's just like a blink of an eye and it's and it's done but definitely I've met some great people in college and I I don't regret um, not going to culinary arts college and I think if you could get into a really good restaurant um, with a good seasoned chef, if you've got some mentors and if you just love food, I think you can learn. It'll take you really far. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, I like that you mentioned ramen. When I was in college, I had a roommate whose only dish that he cooked was a dish called ramen surprise. What? Ramen surprise? And it was it was ramen noodles, basically with a stir fry of whatever was in the fridge. <laughs> so sometimes it might be like peanut butter and soy sauce, and sometimes there were some vegetables lying around, and wow. sometimes it was scrambled egg with ramen. It was just, but ramen, like, because we had spent split it up where I love that. cooked a different night so you mm-hmm. know ben always made ramen surprise yeah as i as love as that as his dish you mentioned uh in some questions that i asked you at the before we before we sort of uh got together for the interview that there was a lentil soup that was yeah. like the first thing you ever cooked on your own and just like felt so proud of yes um, is that a dish that you still
3: make today so the lentil soup, um, interesting story. I remember being home. I was home alone. I think I was probably like 13 years old at the time, and we had this bag of lentils laying around. And I was watching Food Network all day that day, and something was just like in me. You need to make this soup. And I remember we had, you know, mirepoix, which is you know carrot, celery, onion. We had that in the fridge, and and we had garlic, and I just something inspired me Said, let me just try and make this soup i had seen ina garden make chicken stock from scratch and so i i just kind of pulled on everything i've learned up until that point and i just started making this lentil soup unfortunately i don't make it um nearly as much as um ever i don't know i don't make it as much but it was that dish when i first made it and i thought this is so good and it didn't take a lot of effort to make you know i soaked the beans i read the package you know the package instructions and i just followed the instructions and um it was yeah still the most memorable thing i i made and i remember being home by myself and serving myself the dish and sitting down just like looking at it like wow i actually made that (laughs) it's such a proud feeling absolutely Uh, you know i look at all these as a sidebar i look at all of these food shows with kids now and these kids are just making everything like they're roasting and they're uh, making, you know, Peking duck. And I'm just like, what? How old are you? Nine. Right. <laughs> you know, what do you know about uh, Goku-chan? Or what do you know about, you know, sesame oil? Um, it's incredible, though, what food television and the food media has done for this generation of, of youth. At the time, all I had was, you know, Emeril Lagasse. And sure. I had Ina Garden, Rachel Ray, um, who were all great, you know, but they were on for an hour, maybe a half hour every day. So yeah. that's all you got. Um, so, you know, but that's that's the first dish I actually made And then other things came out of that, you know, scrambled eggs and pancakes with dad and uh, making all these other breakfast items that my mom would allow me to go to the stove and, you know, and make by myself. But but yes, that lentil soup, there was something about it, man. Something about it sounds sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, I think you should do a uh, you should do a video with that recipe. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did a split pea soup, and um, that went re- that went over really well for Christmas. My mother still makes uh, split pea soup, and she puts pigtails in it, and it's just really really delicious. Nice. I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. Well, yeah.
2: our time is pretty much pretty much
3: up. Um, I
2: I really appreciate you coming over to the studio today. Absolutely. to, to chat's been a joy. Um, anything else that you want to sort of tell the listeners about it? I think you have any, any events you have coming up or any new videos coming out?
3: I will, uh, yes, I'll be on Food Network this Sunday uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Kitchen Sink. Uh, so that is a show I'll be doing, and I'm going to interview um, a restaurant here in New York City called Black Tap, um, popular and known for their milkshake. So you're going to want to check that out. And stay tuned. There's more coming at Son of a Southern Chef. Awesome, thanks Lazarus. Thank, thank you. you
2: for listening today to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. You can follow us on iTunes. Uh thank you to Kristen Baylor, my producer, and uh follow me on Instagram at the FoodBaller. Talk to you next week.